Hey there, it's Heather Walker, and we're here to talk about winning with ADHD. I'm a mom to three girls ages 16, 13, and 11, and two of them have ADHD. Our daughter, Emily, our oldest, has given us the humbling opportunity to learn and grow as parents. My goal of this podcast is to share experiences of those navigating the world via ADHD so we can all feel a little less alone, more connected, and find ways to win with ADHD. So for my first guest, I felt that my partner in crime would be a natural first step forward to kick off this conversation. Adam is my husband of 21 years and is here to talk with me about our journey as parents. Hello. So let's get started. I thought we could talk about our journey as parents. And to do that, we kind of need to look back 12 to 15 years and how we started out as parents and maybe how we thought we needed to show up as parents. Well, I would say, you know, 12 to 15 years ago, how I felt I needed to show up was kind of as a, an authoritarian figure, because uh, that was kind of how I was, foresaw how parents should be, um, from my observation of those that were around me raising kids. And so as we were new parents and had a toddler and um, you know, she started out pretty calm as a baby. And then we've both agreed that like this switch flipped when she turned one and things kind of changed drastically and her behaviors were kind of extreme as how we have described it in the past. And how do you think she responded to us being authoritarian in nature um, to her behaviors? I think she did not appreciate it, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Um, you know, it was definitely, there was definitely a lot of pushback, a lot of, of fighting, really, where she fought back against our stance as it's kind of my, high, my way or the highway. Yeah, so um, she was pretty aggressive as a toddler and um, you know, didn't handle being told what to do very well. And no, very stubborn. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Extremely stubborn. Yes. And when you're a new parent, you're trying to decipher whether or not this is just a typical two or three-year-old behavior, um, whether they're just trying to like figure out who they are and exactly where you should like draw the line in the sand as to what's okay. And when they should kind of obey what you're asking versus like, what is, an appropriate, say, punishment or opportunity to learn from that. Um, so we had a couple of different things that we would do. We would be very strict. And I think it was because of how extreme or how aggressive she was physically as a toddler that I think we kind of hunkered down pretty heavily on being strict. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it was almost like, uh, you know, she's going to go to this extreme. So we need to go to the extreme on our end you know, trying to feel like we had to be extreme and, and uh, extreme is kind of a bad word, but, you know, you know, it was almost like we had to be, we could not bend, right. Cause we had to stand our ground because of how she was pushing back against us. Um, and that led to really a, kind of at times a confrontational relationship between us and, 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 and you know, it was like, you know, anyway. So like, just, I, when I think back on it, I think of it being like, just almost like a battle of will yes. of who can outlast who the, yep. the longest, Absolutely. right? Who could be the most stubborn? 
Right. And, you know, where she was so physically aggressive as a toddler, um, it was actually even not just a mental who can outlast this, but who can physically outlast this. And there were many times where we had um, professionals tell us to like, hold her and hug her tight. And like, she, like, we would hold her and hold her and hold her. And like, it would be physically exhausting, not only mentally exhausting of trying to learn to navigate being a new parent, but also navigating how she was showing up as herself at that time. Um, I know that we started talking to, um, doctors and things around the time she was three and Mm -hmm. we got advice of like, holding her and like kind of hugging her tight to help her kind of work through whatever emotion she was having that she was physically like showing at that time. But they also were teaching us tips and things of what to do. And I remember um, when we were working with one of um, the therapists that um, she had dumped all of her cereal on the floor in the kitchen and I was asking her to pick it up and she literally just threw herself on the ground and refused to pick anything up. And I remember feeling completely hopeless of like, I've asked her to pick it up. I am, excuse me, doing what the therapist has told us to do and it's not working. And so where did you think that we started to kind of change like in the way that we showed up or how we worked with Emily to be able to feel more successful in reaching our goals as parents, but having a better relationship with her. I think we realized, like as you had mentioned, when she turned three, you know, it's kind of when we first started reaching out to, you know, professional, you know, to get professional help. Um, because I think it was, that was one of the biggest steps we took is we realized, you know, as parents, this is not working. And we had, something had to change. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that I've, you know, kind of learned in even my professional career, you know, if you expect something to change, you have to change first, right? And so that's when we started seeking, you know, doctor's helps. And it wasn't not just, not just to change Emily, it was how we, how we needed to change as parents. And, and, and that was kind of where that process began. And, it, you know, it really hasn't stopped for the last 13 years of just learning, learning and changing and constantly evolving to, you know, to make that relationship work between us and our kids. So if we look at the way things are right now, what would you say are the biggest things that you've learned? The biggest things that I've learned um, that I guess sometimes you have to be willing to I guess, let go of that picture that you have predetermined in your head of how, you know, the relationship between your and you and your kid are. And, and because there's that variable of your kid is in that relationship and you can't control their behaviors. And so, I mean, everybody has that free will. And so you've got to be able to grow and adapt as they learn and grow themselves and kind of that's that relationship is literally constantly changing what worked six months ago may not work today right um some of the things that i have taken away is very similar to yours is that 
one, we are continuing to grow all the time. And exactly what you just said is that what worked a few months ago or even a few weeks ago doesn't necessarily mean it's working now. Um, but I also think that um, as Emily has gotten older, um, just having an open line of communication with her has been really helpful. Um, one of the things that we did when she was younger is I created a mommy and me like it was a composition book where mm -hmm. we would write notes back and forth to each other. And um, it was something that uh, carried on for quite a long time. We would have periods of time where maybe we didn't write a lot in it, but, you know, she would write a note and it would end up on my desk or in my room. And then I'd write a note and I'd put it in her room. And I think that's one of the things that I am proud of as a parent of starting that and trying to have an open line of communication with her. Now, having said that, sometimes that open line of communication hasn't always been its best. Um, and I think we've had times where maybe we're just mad at each other. And mm -hmm. I think that can be just part of the process, but that our goal, or at least my goal has been to maintain that open line of communication to where she can come to me and that she can tell me what she thinks. And she has done that. And sometimes the things that she comes and says aren't nice, or I don't like hearing them. But I think that we, by having that open communication, we're able to, that she's able to voice her opinion and I'm able to respond to that and, and make sure that I'm responding in a calm and, um, I guess, wanting to maintain or continue to grow the relationship in those conversations. No, and I, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, I've admired, you know, and that you've been able to accomplish, you know, that whole, the whole mommy and me thing. I mean, there's even, there's been times where, you know, I'll be walking through the living room and, and uh, I'll find a note on the ground that the girls have thrown over the banister from upstairs, you know, addressed to mom. Right, right. <laughs> and so, no, I think that open line of communication is important. And again, you know, one of the, again, one of the things I've learned is, you know, when they come to you and they say something that you don't like, it, it's a lot of times it's even harsh, right? That you, 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 suppress your first reaction, which is to defend yourself or to maybe even say something harsh back, you know, but you can't do that because if you do that, you put a stopper in that open line of communication. You've got to be willing to take the hit. And I so, agree that and being able to withhold that first response sometimes is hard. can be really difficult. <sighs> I can think of lots of times where I haven't, I haven't. Yes. and I can also think so, think of a lot of times yes. where I have and right. the times where I have been able to remain calm and to be able to have a conversation around it has really allowed for a lot of growth. I think both on our daughter's side, but also on right. each of our side as well in being their parents. Oh, I definitely think it's important not to just take it lying down, right? You actually, it's, I've found that it's important when they say something, okay, let's talk about that, right? And let's dig into that emotion behind the words more than the words themselves, because it's coming from someplace, right? Someplace probably irrational, something that it may be rational, but a lot of times it's coming from something really, something entirely different, but they used maybe the circumstance they're in, or, in, you know, they've used the circumstance they're in to lash out when it's really something completely different that they're frustrated about. 
I think one thing that you noted was you said rational or irrational. One of the things that I've learned um, over the years is that um, Emily has a logical brain and an emotional brain. Yes. And I think we all have those, mm -hmm. but specifically learning about her and we have to be mindful of where she is at that moment, because if she is in an emotional state, mm -hmm. she's not able to have a conversation around how we should maybe work towards on what it should look like and how we should show up, but rather we need to wait until she's able to calm down. And I think really that is applicable to everybody because right. when I am in an emotional state, I'm not ready to necessarily have a conversation where I'm logical and maybe don't say things that are logical. Um, and so just remembering that our kids are people too. I mm -hmm. think sometimes that is forgotten that, is. that they should always have themselves together. I know I forget that all the time as, as a parent, you just yeah. do. It's like, you know, this is my house, my roles, you know, you don't matter. Right. Really? You know, it's, it happens. It happens to the best parents. So recently we both took a quiz that was about our parenting styles and there were four options. You could be either an indulgent parent or permissive. You could be a balanced parent um, where you have some, some structure, but you also have an open line of communication. You could be hands-off where they make their own decisions. You don't have super strict rules, but you might have some, but maybe you don't completely follow through. And then the last one being that authoritarian or strict parent that we've kind of talked about where we both agreed that we started out. Um, in that quiz, we both ended up being balanced. Um, and so we're both in agreement that we started out one way, started to realize that things weren't working. We sought opinions or thoughts or professional help about, Hey, how are you handling this? What do you do with your kid? Or from, you know, therapist of like, what is the best way to handle this? We attended like a love and logic parenting class. We did lots of different things where we've kind of stacked up all of this knowledge and experiences. Um, and I think that's how we ended up on the internet. I mean, right. um, you know, Googling, you know, how do I handle my ADHD kid or how do I handle my kid that has anxiety or how do I handle this? And you just read and read and read and read and try something new that helps see if it works. And if it doesn't, you try something else. So how do you feel today as a parent who is feeling that they're in a balanced parent standpoint? Um, I would say, well, at least currently, because I get with kids, you, it can change in a moment's notice. But I, I think with currently, I think we're in a good spot with with all of our kids. Um, I think it has gone a long way to help all the relationships all the way around. You know, it's not just Emily, but with our other two girls as well. So. I think so, too. And I think um, when I show up as a balanced parent, because even though when I take that that quiz or, or maybe I feel right now that I'm at a, at a balance, um, style. Um, I think one, one day to the next can vary or even one situation to the next can vary. So, you know, one minute I might respond in a really good way and maybe I'm stressed at work and the next time I don't respond right. in, in a great way. Um, but I think being able to recognize that and continually try to show up as our best, um, has had a huge impact on our relationship with our kids. Like you said, I feel like I agree with you that I feel like we're in a really good spot with them right now. And I think some of those important pieces is that 
we've talked about what's important to us and we have that open line of communication that we've talked about, but we also um, defined the structure or non-negotiables for our family. And so I, especially with ADHD children, but I believe all children need some type of structure so that they know what to expect or they, you know, that one day that it doesn't change to the next day. So um, what are your thoughts on some of the non-negotiable pieces or the structure in, um, or having structure for kids? I think it's, I think it's very important. Um, you know, I think one of the things that we have really emphasized with all three of our girls is, is creating an atmosphere that is leading them or hopefully leading them to be independent, that they can, that they're getting an education, that they're taking their education seriously um, because it, it's, that education will then hopefully lead to a career um, that will then be able to support themselves and that they can m move out. Not that I want to kick them out, but at some point in time, they need to move out on their own. You know, and if they choose to start a family, then they start a family and hopefully they can help support themselves and support their family if that's what they choose, um, that they need to be a, you know, a positive influence in, you know, into their surroundings, right, that they need to be putting more into the world than they're taking, right, they should be, you know, the scale is weighted, you know, in how much they're giving back, not how much they're taking. Right. And so one of the things that's actually really hard with ADHD is sometimes showing up at school and being or being or feeling successful in that environment. Um, and so I think being an active participant in their life was also one of the non-negotiables that we talked about. Yep. Um, we've had situations where um, Emily in particular has not been an active participant in her life. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that felt for you as a parent? it's extremely frustrating, right? Cause you're, you see so much potential in your kids, right? You see how smart they are. You see all their strengths and you, you know, and you, and you do, you form this mental picture of what life could be for them. And then when they disengage, right. And they, they shut, you know, they shut it down and they're not being an active participant in their life it's so frustrating and you feel like you can, you feel like you, you want to just like flip this switch and take over control. Right. And, and, you know, <laughs> move the puppet's arms for them, right. To get them going. But, but in reality, you've got to, they have to find that engagement, right. You've got to almost talk them back into it is, and, and it's, a, it's sometimes that's a, it's a tug of war, right. Getting that done. Yeah. Sometimes you can get them back on track fairly quickly, but sometimes it's, you just have to say, okay, right now is not a good time and we'll try again tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, some of the time frame that I'm thinking of was for Emily, um, like all of last school year. Yes. Um, and one of the phrases that I've heard often is, is, um, are you being led by a lighthouse or are you being pushed by a tugboat? And I would say last year, Emily was being pushed by our tugboats yes. and that we were doing everything in our power to just get her to somewhat show up. And for me, I found it, like you said, frustrating, but heartbreaking and like overwhelming mm -hmm. and just, um, just heart wrenching to see your child almost sabotage themselves 
in how oh, wow. they are showing up or, or really not showing, not showing up, up in their life. And um, it's just a really dark period for me of when, when I think back on it and I'm sad um, and my heart hurts for, for those situations. And we've had several situations that have been like that through our time as being parents. Mm-hmm. Um, right now though, would you agree with me that we're in a little bit more of like a lighthouse type scenario with yes, Emily? Absolutely. And how do you think that since we're talking about a parent journey, how do you think we are showing up at that point or in this scenario, or maybe what is impacting how we're showing up? Um, well, I think, you know, this school year, we, we definitely tried something majorly different than we have in the past. And we, we kind of defined some kind of really to Emily, how, why we were doing, what, you know, what, why we changed what we changed and kind of outlined goals, um, you know, for her this year. Um, and then, um, as she's been able to accomplish those goals, and kind of she started stacking all these wins on top, you know, on top of win after win after win. And she hasn't felt the beatdown that she's that she felt last year. Last year, um, and I know I was, you know, contributing to a lot of those, you know, kind of mental beatdowns because, you know, um, you know, just kind of help her through that. I mean, there was times where she had 30 plus missing assignments multiple times throughout last year. And so she was constantly being beat down mentally and emotionally because she wasn't winning. She had no wins last year. And I think that led to kind of a snowball effect almost where she began to sabotage herself. Well, and I actually think she showed up to the beginning of school year last year, not planning to show up, or at least her actions indicated that. So while we're talking about our parent journey, there is also, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, free will of each person and the way that she decided to show up at the beginning of the school year had a massive impact on how the rest of the school year went for her because she literally didn't show up for several classes at the beginning. Um, And it then just, like you said, snowballed throughout the rest of the year. Um, And as parents, we feel that stress of trying to help her get caught up and help her get it turned in and all of those kinds of things. And I feel like we kind of to finish (laughs) yeah um if it weren't for us just constantly being there i don't know that how that would have ended um on, on that path but it definitely i wouldn't say last year was a successful year no but i do think that we learned a lot of things from it we did and so um, when we came into this next school year like you said we made a lot of drastic changes i think emily learned a lot too I think she learned so much last because year. she came into this year because she, she with the m- mindset of not repeating last year either, right. which to her credit has allowed for the wins to happen this year. Cause had she not went in with the attitude she did, um, who knows how this year would have went. Cause again, it's, it's her, it's her life to show up to. Right. right. And I mean, so that's where that like authoritarian type parent style, you're not going to will them into it. It's maybe more of that open communication where we were talking about with her, how, you know, 
how we wanted her to show up or were hopeful that she would show up. And I think through those conversations and a few other things with working with medical professionals that we were able to get her in a better place. And that I agree with you completely that this school year is different because of what we're doing, but also because of how she has chosen to show up. You know, one one other thing that, you know, kind of just popped in my head that I think is very important. One of the things that I've learned along this journey as being a parent um, is uh, as a parent to actually say the words to your kids, I'm sorry, I messed that up. I did not make the right choice. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I, you know, it allows them to see you're vulnerable, right? It allows them to see that you're not always perfect. Um, and, you know, it just, it does help the relationship, you know, uh, uh, for, between your, between your kids, if they know, well, they actually did admit that they messed up. I think it goes a long way in uh, creating a stronger bond, a more open line of communication, um, because, whether you believe it or not, your kids know when you've messed up. <laughs> right. They do. I also remember as a kid thinking that I couldn't wait to be an adult because nobody would, you know, um, be able to tell me what to do right. or different things like that. And I also, um, in that, along those lines of saying, I'm sorry, is something that I've done way more than I ever thought I would do. Because right. as a kid, you also think that your parent, your parents know all the answers right. and that they know exactly what they're doing and where they're headed. And all of us who are parents very much know that that is not the case. And so I think our kids can learn a lot from us by us showing up and actually being human and yeah. saying, you know what, I didn't show up right at that moment, I was, I had all these other things going on, just like you have all these other things going on. And I think it actually creates an opportunity for them to learn some really valuable life skills that I probably learned later. Right. Um, I, I could remember I, this was not that long ago, maybe, maybe a year ago now was we were, Emily and I were sitting in the Costco parking lot and, and, uh, you know, having a, you know, a conversation and I, and I flat out told her, I said, you know, and, um, we were first time parents when you were brought into this world and we're kind of figuring this out as we go and we're, and we've made mistakes. We're going to continue to make mistakes. We're not perfect, but we're trying to do the best that we possibly can. And, you know, I told her, I said, if you feel like we're being unfair, it's okay to bring that up to say, Hey, I think you're being unfair with me right now, you know, to encourage her to say, you have a voice in this process. I said, now I did, you know, I made sure if you do bring that up and I'm, and we were both, and we were like, yeah, no, we're still doing it. I mean, we're, you're, you still got to do it. Right. But at least you have, you have the voice to say that you can say, I'm, I don't think this is fair. I don't, you know, I think that's too harsh or I don't think I should have to do that. Right. And um, some of the things that um, I think all of our kids have done, not necessarily in, you know, a situation where there's like punishment or criticism of what they're doing or something like that. But I think they've all learned to come and kind of like state their case of why they think they should have mm -hmm. access to electronics or why they should be able to do whatever or come and say, hey, if I do these things, can I like in turn have access to something or go right. here or go there? And I think by them doing that, it allows them to 
um, again, learn very valuable life skills of like how you show up in relationships in general of um, coming with, you know, not just asking for everything, but also coming with reasons why. And I think that has been some of my moments where I've kind of had to smile a little bit at my kids and like, sometimes just like say, you know what, you're right. That, that might've been a little harsh or, you know, maybe I'm expecting too much or something like that. Um, coming back to this year, um, and talking about stacking wins, what do you think some of the biggest pieces are to the success that we're feeling at this moment? And I say at this moment, because I feel like we're on this roller coaster ride that right. like we might be in a good spot right now. Um, and in a couple of months, maybe not in such a great spot. So, well, I think one of the biggest things uh, have allowed us to stack wins is, you know, you uh, and M have these, uh, what we, the Sunday planning meeting where you lay out her schedule um, for the entire week, you schedule in, um, you know, times to work on classes, times to work on schoolwork, times to when she actually, when she has to go to her job um, and to where she works. And um, we schedule in, you know, break times, we schedule in free time, you know, so she can kind of see um, every day kind of, you know, she, she sees her schedule and it allows her to uh, be able to process things um, a lot easier than before when it was just kind of flying by the seat of her pants. While she does struggle sometimes during those planning sessions, she doesn't necessarily want to do them all the time. Um, but I think she feels um, once we get into, you know, when Monday morning gets around, you know, she wakes up, she knows exactly where she started. And that allows her to get off to a good start. And then, and then she sees accomplishments, you know, she sees things getting, things are getting accomplished. And so, and then she gets, she feels a win and then she moves on to the next thing and she feels another win, you know? And so, um, you know, so far, you know, I mean, I don't think, I think maybe we've had what three to five late assignments the entire year. So yeah, far, it's been so drastically different than last year. And she feels that now. She does. I think one of the things uh, in alignment with or in connection with the scheduling piece is her knowing when she has free time or when she can have a break. And, you know, um, a few weeks ago, she was having a hard time and she went and flopped on the couch and I kind of let her sit there for a few minutes. And then I said, so what are we doing? And she groaned because that's what Emily does when she's in that space and just kind of whimpered. And I said, so what you're telling me is, is that you want to spend your free time, like laying here on the couch moaning rather than going to Fat Cats on Friday. And she sat there for just a minute more. And then she like very like deliberately lifted herself up off the couch and still had like kind of sunken shoulders down. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, that's not what I want. And so it was something that I was able to use as a parent to help motivate her to get kind of back on track. Um, So that's one of the things that I think has also been really helpful about the scheduling is that, and her knowing what her plan is, because for Emily, one of her biggest motivators is when do I get to do what I want to do? 
And so reminding her that if she uses her free time to mope or to not be as productive, that she's kind of eating into that time. Now, having said that, there have been a few times where we weren't able to get back on track. And you kind of alluded to this earlier that maybe today, maybe right now, isn't that right time. And so that's been another piece that I've learned as a parent is that I am more of a go-getter type person. Let's get it done. Let's let's get it done so I can go do what I want to do, right? And um, I don't have some of the like emotional pieces or um, things that are holding me back the way that Emily has them. And so there have been times where we're like, okay, go take an hour, go take the rest of the day, right? We will come back at this later. Um, so I think also recognizing that even though we set out a plan that it can change and that, you know, sometimes if you're trying to accomplish something and she's not in the right space, you're not actually going to accomplish it, even if you keep pushing it forward. Or if you keep pushing it forward, the quality of work may not be worth the push, the effort. Right, right. So um, I wanted to share a quote from James Clear. He's the author of Atomic Habits. Um, he has some really good um, quotes and advice on how to be productive. Um, so the quote that he has says that an expert is someone who over many years manages to remain confident enough to keep trying and humble enough to keep learning. And I think that this quote can clearly apply to a lot of different situations, but it really resonated with me as a parent that I think a parent is an expert because they keep trying, they keep learning, and that they maintain that confidence to just keep going. I think that's one of the things that I love about learning or watching other parents do is that they are so driven to be there for their kids that they just keep doing things, even though they're super hard. Whereas maybe if it had been some other type of an endeavor, they may have, I don't know, given up or stopped, or maybe not as put as much mental effort or resources into it. Do you have any thoughts about that quote? Yeah, I just, you know, again, it's about showing up every day and making a choice, making a decision. And, you know, whether it's a good choice or a bad choice, you know, sometimes it's just about making it right. And then again, just showing up every day, you know, whether it's, and, and it's, and it's hard. Some days you really don't want to, but, you know, just again, just showing up every day and be willing to be there for your kids. Right. I think also, um, at least in our experiences, there have been times where I felt hopeless or I felt so incredibly overwhelmed and not knowing what to do. And other times where I'm feeling very um, positive about how things are going and that things are moving in the right direction. Um, and there have even been times where I felt maybe all of those emotions all in one day. Oh, yeah. um, and so I think just to end here, what is maybe a word of advice or a comment that you have to other parents who are on this journey? Maybe they um, are newly on this journey, or maybe they're, you know, a few years in, or maybe even further down the line from us and have adult children. I'd say one of the biggest things is trust your gut feelings about that you're having as a parent. Um, if you feel like it's not right, then trust that feeling and keep searching or keep trying things until you feel like it is right. You know, just 
trust that internal instinct that you have as a parent. If you feel like it's not right, you know, change something. Go, go out, don't be afraid to ask for help, right? Whether that be, you know, professional or your next door neighbor, right? Just say, you know, hey, can I, can we just talk about this? Can I talk through this? Can I, you know, what, what, you know, sometimes just having somebody you can, you know, vent to or bounce ideas off or, uh, you know, go a long way, you know, and, and, you know, like you said about the roller coaster of emotions, you know, you know, it's usually it's it's a really bad day if both of us are in a in a mental spot where we can't tag team, right? But I think a lot of times what what we've been able to do as parents is, you know, tag team when we're one of us is in that that mental space where we just can't deal with you know the outburst or the you know the screaming child or whatever to tag out, right? Can right. you go handle this? while I take five or whatever, so we can tag team because it emotionally, it can be draining. I completely agree with you. Um, having both of us, um, working at this together has been a huge help. And like you said, um, the days that were both in a bad place are when things <laughs> really go sideways. Um, but I think more often than more not, often one of us is just completely tapped out and the other one can step in and like have that more logical mind that one that is, you know, a little bit more calm in nature at that point in time. And I think that has been really helpful for us. I think also, like you said, having some good friends or others that you can speak with. And sometimes that can be really hard, especially for our single parents who are mm -hmm. doing this on their own. So just to wrap up here, I I want to invite everybody to join our community. Um, if you text 801-349-1281, it is a community that will offer encouragement and positive, positive messages to you and can even offer some parenting tips of how to show up um, and be able to just really encourage you because this journey is not for the faint of heart it is definitely a very difficult journey. Um, but at the same time can be absolutely rewarding when you start to see those wins that start stacking up. And I think for us this last, you know, few weeks, we've had that luxury or benefit of seeing those wins. And I don't know that we've ever seen them to this degree mm -hmm. um, in our entire experience of, of working with Emily in particular. And it is incredibly rewarding. And when you're at that stage of like feeling hopeless or completely overwhelmed, you don't believe that that's even something that's there. You can't even see the famous light at the end of the tunnel. And so I think building a community and having access to other people to encourage you and help lift you up is something that's really important as a parent. And having that like self-care is a huge word right now, but having the opportunity to lift your spirits and your emotional like mental well-being to be able to be there for your child who maybe has emotional dysregulation, which is incredibly common with ADHD. Um, and we've experienced that emotional dysregulation mm -hmm. and being able to be that calm, but strong force in their life to be able to be their safe space and let them be able to come to you. And, you know, sometimes that can be really hard because being their safe space means that they 
are probably not on their best behavior at that point in time. But when they are in a better place, they can come to you and that line of communication continues to build that relationship and develop more and more over time, which I think really is what we all kind of crave. We want to have a good relationship and with our kids and we want our, our homes to feel safe and happy. And so any other final words from you? Um, just keep showing up every day. And I guess, again, just if you feel like something's not right, you know, keep searching for the answers until you can get it to where you feel like it's right. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on our first episode of Winning with ADHD. And we will talk to you guys soon.